amen. It's a joy to preach God's Word to you this morning. It always is, and that joy just gets to multiply after you get to witness a baptism. Amen? That's some good stuff. And this is why I preach. I know this is why Coy is a youth minister, why Bryson teaches our kids. We minister in the name of Jesus so that more people can come to know Christ. That's why I preach. That's why God has called me to ministry, so that people can come to know and love God's Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, but many of you know, as a, as a preacher, apparently I don't get to work much. I've, uh, I've been told that I only work one day a week. And, uh, you know, th- the fact of the matter, Brother Keith, you'll appreciate this. When, when you stop and think about it, I only have to preach for 30 minutes on that one day. I mean, so it's got to be easier than even I've been told, right? And yes, I am being a little facetious. You guys know that. But in this humor, I want you to seriously consider something with me. I've had to think about this in my own life and in Christian ministry. And here's kind of where my thinking goes. If I only get an hour, really half an hour to preach from this pulpit on Sunday morning, I need to make it worthwhile. I want to say something that impacts and influences people. And if I only get a half an hour to preach on Sunday mornings, I've also got to figure out other times, other places, other people, and other ways that I can point people towards Jesus Christ. Right? I mean, here's reality. I'm not just a preacher when I get behind the pulpit to preach. I'm not just a pastor when I'm in the church office. I am to point people to Jesus all of the time, wherever I am, whomever I'm around, in whatever ways I can, right? And the same goes for everyone who is a believer in Jesus. You're not just a Christian who points people to Jesus when you come into this building on a Sunday morning. Or when you go with the pastor to visit someone in the hospital. Or when you're doing a ministry project or taking a mission trip. Those aren't the only times and places when you are ministering in God's name. When I read about Jesus in the New Testament, I see Him taking the time to go to a certain place. To teach specific people in a variety of ways. Parables, questions, miracles. But I also take note that Jesus didn't just preach to people at the 11 o'clock service in the local synagogue on Sabbath Saturdays, right? All of the time, Jesus was pointing people towards the Father in heaven. He talked about God wherever He went, whenever He could, to whomever He met, and whatever He did. And that's exactly what we're going to see Him do Today, in John chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. If you have a Bible with you today, I invite you to turn there. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. As I preach to you this sermon, 
divine direction. Divine direction. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. And from this one passage of Scripture, I want you to learn to live by this truth. God directs us to point people toward Him. And everywhere we go in life and everything we do, God directs us to point people toward Him. So let's read this story from Scripture. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, the verses will be on the screen behind me. God's Word says this, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, Though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then this woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. Again, here's what these verses and this sermon is all about this morning. God directs us to point people toward him. I want you to notice with me this morning four ways in which God directs us to point people toward him. We see Jesus doing this in these verses. First... We are to point people to God wherever we go. Let me make it personal for you. You as a Christian need to point people to God wherever you go. Jesus and his disciples had been in the region of Judea. We're not sure of the exact city or village vicinity because Scripture doesn't give us those details. But we do know that Jesus had either been baptizing his 12 disciples or that his 12 disciples had been baptizing some people under his oversight. We also know that the Pharisees, whom the, the children's Bible that we read at home to our kids, it calls the Pharisees the super-religious holy people. All right, So that's a good definition for you. Uh, the super-religious holy people of Jesus' day They caught wind of the baptisms that were performed in Jesus' ministry. And here's why they took note of this. The Pharisees had already been upset with John the Baptist because John had publicly labeled the Pharisees 
an unrighteous and unrepentant brood of vipers. That's how the actual Bible puts it, all right? Either way, it's not a good reputation these Pharisees have. But these Pharisees go, wait, John the Baptist was kind of this preacher in the wilderness. Everybody said we needed to go see. Who's this Jesus that's popping up? More people are going to him. The Pharisees wanted to find out more about him. But instead of entangling himself in a bunch of unimportant arguments with the Pharisees, or instead of trying to get on the good side of these super religious holy people who could kind of boost Jesus' power and prestige in the public eye, Jesus just left. He departed from Judea and he went to Galilee. It's worth noting that wherever they were in Judea, there were really just three roads that would take them back to Galilee. One was near the seacoast, one went through Perea, and one went through Samaria. The Jews and Samaritans did not like each other, but the Jewish historian Josephus notes in some of his writings that even though the Jews really didn't want to see or meet Samaritans, they would often take that road through Samaria because it was the quickest route. While it's entirely possible that Jesus wanted to shave some time off of his journey and take the shorter road, verse 4 helps us understand that Jesus decided to go this way because God had given him some divine direction in doing so. Did you notice verse 4? He needed to go through Samaria. And I want you to pay attention to that phrase. He needed to do something. The fact of the matter is the author of time really doesn't need to save time. He can make the most of it. In fact, later on in John's gospel, we see Jesus get in a boat and it's just automatically at the other end of the sea. Jesus also said he needed to go through Samaria. In other words, this wasn't his final destination that the Father had given to him. He was trying to get back to Galilee to minister there. But even while he was going through a place, he still ministered to people in that place. Jesus did not just have a purpose for his final destination. He also had a purpose for his footsteps along the way there. While some travelers save time just so they can waste time, Jesus invested every ounce of his time between points A and point B. He lived his life in such a way that the Father divinely directed his steps so that he could help other people walk with God wherever he was going. Jesus did not live his life by accident. He did not do things unintentionally. So let me ask you this question. Are you pointing people to Jesus wherever you go? You can make accidental acquaintances in life. Or you can develop purposeful relationships with the people God puts in your path. And really that's your decision. You bump into somebody, oh, hey, 
How you doing? All good. Hope you have a good day. All right. Or you can look into the eyes of the person that you meet and engage in a conversation with them. And even though that's not the place that you're going to, you're just going through, you can still minister through those steps in the name of Jesus. I'll give you an example of this occurring in my own life. It's just been really neat over the past uh, several months. I had been asked by Coach Josh Austin, the men's basketball coach out at Williams, to come and meet with him and some of the students and a, a couple of other pastors in the area before their October Fields of Faith event. Uh, the FCA group at Williams will get together and they'll do a, a, a Fields of Faith. Uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes will share the gospel with college and high school students. And they'll go to Hoxie's football field one year and Walnut Ridge's football field uh, the next. And they'll just go back and forth between those places. They'll invite all the students from Williams, whether they're good athletes or not, and all the high school students around, whether they're athletes or not. And they just want to share the gospel with people. And at that meeting, I got to talk to a, a guy. His name is Caleb Anderson. He's on the basketball team at Williams. Um, he's from Batesville, Arkansas. Really neat young man. And uh, just got to talk to him and meet him there. Well, I went to the Fields of Faith event after our Wednesday night church activities in October. And Caleb was sharing his testimony about how he'd come to faith in Christ, about what God's done in his life. It was really neat. And about two or three weeks went by. And I knew that a couple of the, the players on the basketball team had come to faith in Christ uh, after Caleb had shared his testimony at Fields of Faith. And I went to, to chapel at Williams about three weeks after that event, and Caleb was sitting right in front of me in one of those pews in Manly Chapel at Williams. And so I tapped him on the back of the shoulder after chapel. I said, man, how's it going? How's your teammates doing that, that came to know Jesus? And he said, oh, man, it they're, they're doing all right. I said, well, good. I said, how are you? You know, you got to share your testimony out there that night. It was really neat to hear. And he said, yeah. He said, uh, Man, we need to get together and talk sometime. I said, all right, sounds good to me. You want to go grab breakfast tomorrow? And he said, yeah, sure. And so the, the process has kind of begun. We've been meeting together about once every week. We've had to miss a couple of times. But I've gotten to know a, a young man and been able to spend some time uh, investing in him and pouring into his life and teaching him things that God has taught me from his word and about how we're to live as Christian men in a world that is dark so that we can shine the light of Jesus to people around us. And man, it's been really cool to get to know this, this young guy. He's actually written a book. You can buy it on Amazon called Just Go For It. It's, it's a really neat story about uh, uh, God taking him through some difficult experiences in his life. I could have just gone to that meeting before Fields of Faith, said hey to a bunch of random students, prayed with them and for them, gone to that event, not thought anything else about it, gone to chapel, not even said anything to Caleb, or, or, I could have gone, you know what, Lord, I don't think it's a coincidence that I met this guy and talked to him at this Fields of Faith meeting, or that I came just in time to hear his testimony shared, or that I just happened to sit right behind him in chapel a few weeks after that. 
Lord, I, I think you've allowed me to cross paths with this young guy for a reason and on purpose. So, Lord, I'm just going to tap him on the back of the shoulder and see what happens. Hey, listen to me, folks. There is no telling who God is putting in your life that you just need to tap on the shoulder. I wasn't going to Williams to meet Caleb. I wasn't going to Fields of Faith to hear Caleb. I wasn't sitting at chapel to talk to Caleb. Those were just places and points I was going through. Do you understand that it's not just about the destination you're trying to get to, where God wants you to be, that that's the only place where you can minister. It's the places in life that God takes you through, that He may allow you to intersect with people and cross paths with folks that you need to minister to in His name. And sometimes it's going to be Christians you can encourage. And hey, listen to me. Sometimes that's going to be lost people that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you can point them to God in those places you're going through, they might just end up having a change of direction in their own life. And instead of having to experience an eternity separated from God in hell, they can experience an eternity with God in heaven because you have pointed them towards Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be neat if you didn't go anywhere on accident, but if you went everywhere on purpose? It's how Jesus lived his life, and I really think that's how God wants us to live our lives too. God directs us to point people toward him wherever we go. We should point people towards him. Not only should we point people to God wherever we are, we also need to point people to God whenever we can. Whenever we can. We see this in verses 5 and 6. Jesus was not a lazy man. If you think Jesus was lazy, man, you need to read through the New Testament. The guy is tired and worn out over and over and over again because he is doing the work of the Father everywhere he goes. Christians, whether they're pastors or plumbers or planters, need to take note of that. Jesus doesn't call people to be lazy. He calls people to follow him wholeheartedly. And sometimes we're going to get tired and worn out when we do that. We know that Jesus worked hard because he got tired and worn out. On this occasion, the Bible notes that he was weary from his journey. Did you see that in verse 6? Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. The sixth hour referred to around noontime. You know, they calculated time from the time that the sun rose to the time that the sun would set as far as uh, ways that they would calculate hours. So the sixth hour referred to around noon since we could say the sun rose about 6 a.m. You guys do some math real quick. Six plus six equals what? Twelve? Okay. All right. Maybe. A little early for you guys still yet? All right. All right. So here's the deal. 
If you're taking your noon nap now, you can't take it later. All right? Just remember that. Jesus was exhausted at this point. He's on his lunch break. Maybe it's even nap time. You guys know how that goes, right? Especially you people who've been out planting in the fields. I mean, there's some long days and some long hours you've been putting in lately and some long days and long hours yet to come. you got to take rest when you can get it. Jesus finds a time. Man, it's noon. I'm tired. I'm going to sit down by this well over here. But this is when the ministry opportunity was presented to him. Placed right there, right before him. When he was tired, worn out, and weary. Have you ever noticed that ministry opportunities often arise right in the middle of those times? When you're tired, you're worn out, and you're weary from life, from everything else that you've been doing, when you're resting, when you're off the clock? Here's the question. Do you still choose to minister in those moments? We've got some hardworking church members here this morning. I, I know it. I don't know what all, all of you do, but I know some of what some of you do. And it's a lot. And there are times that somebody is going to walk into your lives with a lot. But if you will just do a little and point them towards the Lord. You might do one greater work in that moment than you have done in everything else throughout the day. I remember the story that my evangelism professor at seminary had told us in class one day. His name was Gray Allison. He actually founded the, the seminary, Mid-America Baptist Seminary over in Memphis, he was still living at the time. He was teaching us evangelism at 96 years old. It was really neat, yeah. Maybe at 86. Either way. That, that's, somebody laughed, so you know that they're old, right? But man, this, this guy had a heart for the Lord. It didn't matter how old or how young he was. He just wanted to share Jesus with people. But he told us the story about having come home one day. He was tired of dealing with people. He was worn out. He's just exhausted. He told his wife, Von Seal, that he was just ready to eat dinner and prop his feet up in his chair and just stay there the rest of the, rest of the afternoon until he went to bed. But as soon as he came home, she said, well, that's fine, but I talked to so-and-so down the street today, and her husband doesn't know the Lord. And she's been praying for him, and we prayed for him this afternoon and I told her that you would come by and talk to him about Jesus when you got home this afternoon. And if, if any of you know Dr. Allison, I know Bob and Dolores McGee do. This is a man that's on fire to tell people about Jesus. And he said, but guys, in that moment, he said, I just kind of huffed and puffed. He said, I sat down in my chair and put my feet up and thought, God, I, I know that person needs to hear about Jesus, but I'm tired. And I want some dinner. And I just want to sit here. I don't want to have to go do that. God, do you not know what all I've done today and who all else I've already talked to about Jesus? And he said his wife kind of came in with that holy prod of encouragement. Guys, you know how they do? 
It feels just like a cattle prod to your rear end sometimes, doesn't it? And he said, I got up and put my shoes back on and went down the street thinking I'm going to go talk to this guy about Jesus that's probably not going to get saved. And he said, I walked in the house kind of with a bad attitude still in my heart and began to share with this man the gospel. The whole time thinking, man, I just wish I was home sitting in my chair eating something. He said, would you know that that man broke down? God broke him over his sin. And he wanted to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ right then and there. And we prayed together. He gave his life to Christ. And I came back home. And my wife had a big old smile on her face. And my dinner all set and ready. And he said, you know what? I was too excited to eat at that point. (laughs) And I was too happy to even try to think about taking a nap or going to sleep. Because the Lord had given me the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody so they could be saved. Folks, listen to me. I know you've got a lot to do in life. But you have nothing more important to do in life than to point other people towards Jesus. You know that? God directs us to point people toward Him wherever we go, whenever we can. And notice in verses 7 and through 9 that you are also to point people to Jesus, to point people to God, whomever you meet. You need to point people to God whomever you meet. In, in verses 7 through 9, we see that Jesus didn't just meet a random person. Jesus met a woman of Samaria. She came to this well to draw water. It would have been a cultural taboo for Jesus to have spoken to this woman. Uh, He's by himself. She's by herself. He's a Jew and she's a Samaritan. There's a lot of things going on there. It shouldn't be a shock that Jesus met Samaritan in Samaria. It's kind of like saying you're traveling through Walnut Ridge. You just expect to meet a redneck, right? You're going through Imboden. You just expect to meet a hillbilly. If you're in Samaria, you expect to find a Samaritan. But what is shocking is that Jesus, being a Jew, intentionally engaged in a conversation with a Samaritan. What's crazy is that he, as a man, sought a drink from the hand of this woman. Bible scholars have noted correctly that this woman came to the well in the heat of the day. Not in the cool of the morning or the cool of the afternoon when women would have come typically to the well to draw water. She was doing this because she wanted to avoid people. And the people she was avoiding were probably glad that they didn't have to see her either. After all, we find out later on in the story that we'll look at in more detail in just a couple weeks that the woman had been married five times. I guarantee you at least a couple of those ladies may have had some people that she had been with. Right? She didn't want to see them. They didn't want to see her. Solution is go to the well when nobody else is there. But God had somebody there that day, and his name was Jesus. 
And Jesus talked to her, engaged in conversation with her. It's this woman that Jesus chose to engage in conversation to point her toward God. This character that Jesus would have been likely to meet going through this place, but that everybody else would have been very unlikely to point towards God. And when Jesus pointed this woman towards God, it changed her life. And really, it gave Jesus the platform to share the good news of Christ all throughout Samaria, as we'll find later on. It reminds me of a story that Pastor Tom Rayner told of years ago when he was serving at a church in Florida. He said that a man had come by the church office one day. Uh, has anybody ever spent time in a church office before? He was just a, a few minutes. He may not have been a pastor, but... Okay, good. Those of you laughing, I, you understand this, right? There's no telling who comes into a church office. I mean, a church office, you know, you, you expect to find some church people every once in a while. Especially some mad ones, right? You also, sometimes you just meet complete strangers. It's very rare that somebody comes into a church office and either doesn't have some way they want to help minister or doesn't need someone to minister to them. This is usually how it works. I get to see some of you guys in the church office too, okay? So keep coming by. But Tom said that this guy walked into the office and he said he'd seen him in the parking lot earlier and thought, ah. I don't have time for this today. Uh, came in and talked to the secretary, and the secretary said, Pastor, you, you really need to come and, and talk to this, this fellow out here. He went, oh, all right. The guy was homeless, but he had come in that day not wanting money, not wanting food, not wanting a place to stay. He wanted to talk to Pastor Tom about following Jesus. And so Pastor Tom took the time to share with him the gospel of Jesus. And the guy had some kind of different ways of thinking, some different ways of talking about things. But he ended up praying to receive Christ in the church office that day. You know, Tom, being a typical pastor, thought the same thing that I would have thought, same thing I have thought. Well, that's great. I got to point this person towards the Lord today. I might not ever see him again. This is the guy coming through town. Tom said, would, would you know that this guy showed up to church the following Sunday morning? He said, then he wanted to be baptized. He wanted to join our church. He said, so I set up a time to talk with him. Would you know that he actually showed up and then would you actually believe that he followed through on his commitment got baptized and joined the church he just kept showing up to church every Sunday to worship with us and didn't just keep showing up to worship but got involved decided to serve decided to help his church and be a real part of what God was doing in the life of that congregation in Florida hey listen to me folks there may be some people in your life that God allows you to cross paths with and you go, whoa, man. I have not been where they've been. 
They've not been where I've been. I have no idea how to speak into their lives. I'm not sure they could ever make a difference for the kingdom of God. Just look at them. But the Lord is able to do a great and a mighty work in some of the most unlikely people. And we need to pay attention to that, don't we? After all, Jesus' disciples were some fishermen, tax collectors, and some zealots, right? And that's who he chose. Hey, listen, whomever you meet, you need to point towards God. You never know whom God is going to allow you to cross paths with and whom he is going to work through to expand his kingdom. God directs us to point people toward him. He directs us to point people toward him wherever we are, whenever we can, whomever we meet. And God directs us to point people to God whatever we do. You need to point people to God whatever you do. I love how this conversation started out in verse 10. Jesus had asked her for a drink. And she's like, you're asking me for a drink? I'm a Samaritan woman. What are you thinking? Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. You realize what Jesus is doing? This Samaritan woman is not coming to the well for no reason. Why do people go to a well? This shouldn't be a trick question. Why do people go to a well? You get water, right? Jesus knew why she was there. Jesus was thirsty. Jesus wanted a drink. Jesus used this situation to point her towards the Lord. Jesus used the illustration of physical thirst to talk about the deeper need of spiritual thirst that all people have. He used these circumstances to speak directly to her heart. And here's the thing. It wasn't cheesy. It wasn't corny. It hit her right in the heart. Jesus knew she needed living water. She knew she needed living water. And Jesus got to talk to her about receiving it. One Sunday morning, years ago, when I was at Calvary Baptist Church in Horn Lake, Mississippi where I grew up as a teenager and spent a little bit of time um, as, as a young adult before Stephanie and I got married and moved here to Walnut Ridge. I was in the college Sunday school class at Calvary Baptist Church. It was just typical Sunday morning, you know, and, and one of our church members, uh, Brittany, had brought her new boyfriend, Josh House, to church, and she brought him to Sunday school with her. And we were just having fun, you know, cutting up in Sunday school, just kind of talking about uh, the week and how things had gone, talking about jobs, talking about this, talking about that. And we were trying to engage Josh, this new visitor to our church, in just some general conversation. And the, the Lord allowed us to start talking to, to Josh a little bit. Josh was just about to become the, the, the public announcer at the Memphis River Kings. I think they're the DeSoto River Kings now. It's a, uh, like a minor league hockey team, so to speak. 
I don't even know if they have minor league hockey. I don't know anything about hockey. You just slap a puck with a stick, right? That's what I know about hockey. But we're getting to talk to him. And so we, you know, I started talking to him about baseball and talking to him about this and about that. And, and we just got engaged in this conversation. Sunday school had ended and myself and Sean Allen, our college Sunday school teacher, just kind of stayed around talking to each other. His girlfriend Brittany is still in there. And Sean Quarter, Sean Quarter, Sean Allen, our Sunday school teacher, in the middle of this conversation, just started steering towards Jesus. And Josh just real plainly said, I'm not saved. Some of you go to first groups on Sunday mornings and you think, oh man, Jake just told me to come to this, so I'm just going to come to this, right? What you fail to remember is that God's actually at work in people's hearts and lives. And if we'll just pay attention to what he's doing, we can speak into their hearts and lives and see God change them. And so we started talking to Josh about things more important. Instead of slapping a puck with a stick or announcing stuff over a microphone at a game, we started talking to him about Jesus dying on the cross for his sins. And the announcement that he had risen from the dead and all could be forgiven of their sins in his name and received the gift of eternal life. Man, as soon as the worship service ended, Josh comes almost running down the aisle. You ever seen somebody run down the aisle at an old school Baptist church? It'll make revival happen. It's pretty cool. And Sean, our Sunday school teacher, um, I'm trying to think. I need to pick on somebody a minute. I don't mean anything bad by, bad by this, Kai, but I just, I know you, you can trust me. You won't feel bad about this. I just want you to picture Kai Rorex standing up and running down here to meet somebody who's running down the aisle. This is what Sean, our Sunday school teacher, did. Man, they, they met each other down there in the front. And Sean led him to faith in Christ. His life was changed. All because we were willing to engage him in a simple conversation right after a Sunday school class to point him towards Jesus in whatever we were doing. Josh is a youth minister now in Mississippi. Pretty cool, isn't it? Did you know that God directs every one of us so that we can point people to Him? I don't know who it is in your life, where it is, when it will be. In what way you may be able to point them toward God. But God is directing you so that you can point people toward Him. So here's the question I have for you in closing this morning. And the question I want you to think about right now. How is God directing you to point people toward Him? How is God directing you to point people toward Him? This is not a question for you to think about five years from now. This is not a question for you to just leave with today and go, oh, that was a good sermon. This is a question for you to think about right here and right now. 
How is God directing you to point people toward Him? You may still have a grandson who doesn't know Jesus. How's God directing you to point that grandson toward Him? You may have co-workers, teachers. There may be other teachers around you, students in your classroom, who do not know Jesus. How is God directing you to point those people toward Him? You may have friends that need some real spiritual encouragement. How is God directing you to point people toward Him? If you will choose not to just live your life by accident, for no reason, for no purpose, not just to be lazy, but to do what God has called you to do, and pointing people to Him, Wherever you go, whenever you can, whomever you meet, and whatever you do, you might just see God do something absolutely incredible. God is directing you to point people toward Him.